T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. No games on the schedule? No! That doesn't stop us from talking football. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development. Here are your hosts, past WFCA President Tom Swiddle and WSSP High School Insider Big Time Mike McGiver. Welcome into the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show as always presented by our friends at Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development. I'm Mike McGivern, alongside my co-host. He's the head football coach at Milwaukee Tech, Tom Swiddle. Coach, how are you? Good. How are you tonight? Or this Good. morning? This morning, tonight. Yeah. Man, <coughs> you're, t- you're tired, man. You getting ready next week? You kick it off, man. Here we go. Tuesday is the, the day. Yeah? I see you're wearing purple. You got purple on? Is that purple? That's purple, but certainly... Yeah, something I grabbed. Yeah, okay. well, there's no, there's no thought no, put into that. You know, you, you're going to look good in those tech purple colors. Um, excited about Tuesday or nervous? I am. Well, I, I'm curious. You know, I, I don't know if we're going to have 20 players or 50 players. I, I have no idea, honestly. And you know what? Wherever it is that you start coaching, you know this. Three years from now, when you build a program, um, you'll know exactly how many kids you have. But right. this is new for you. Yeah, and and what you said is the key, Mike. It's building a program. I mean, right now, you know, they don't, a program, a football program really doesn't exist at Tech. And what's interesting is years ago, and, and I guess, look, back in the day, yeah. that was the program. Oh, yeah. It was Absolutely. the program. Everybody wanted to be like Tech back then. Absolutely. And we'd like to get there again. Yeah, I bet. Hey, let me run down today's show. This will be the last WFCA show of the year. It went really quick this year for me. For you too? Yeah, yeah. We had a, a I think a, a great lineup of guests through the the you know year, and you bet. we're going to end on a bang today, no doubt. Hey, the first uh, two segments, we're going to talk some youth football uh, with Mark Bottolotti, who is the yeah Whitefish Bay youth football guy, and he's uh, we're going to get him on the phone here in a minute. And Matt Kern, who's in studio, he's the head football coach in New Berlin Eisenhower. Um, Matt, how are you? It's good to see you. Good morning, Mike. Good to Matt, see you too. You you getting ready too? Yep, we uh we're ready to go. We got our contact days done uh, last week, and so we're in the in the dead week here now, and letting the guys enjoy a little downtime, and away we go Wednesday. Man, what a year you guys had last year! Yeah, Man, that was a great senior class, and it was a really good run. Got all the way to Camp Randall, the state championship game, and. Uh, Man, had the, the New Berlin community, uh, it was a buzz, man. Well done. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It was a very special experience, special year. Hey, Coach, can I ask you, before we get into what we're going to talk about, we t- we talked about this with David Cooks. When when you look back at that, and you, do you look at the, the, the game at Camp Randall or do you look at the journey to get there? I think it's human nature to look at both. I, I think the long the longer – that time goes by here, the more I think more about the journey. Yeah. Um, I've had a chance to talk a lot about it with a lot of different people, uh, kids on that team, families, uh, different people at the school. And I, I think the further we get away from the end of that season, the more that you talk about the memories, you talk about the 
the win against Catholic Memorial and Whitefish Bay and, and all the you know the great regular season wins we had. So I think we that'll talked, be remembered. We talked to the Muskego coach, and we talked to the players. One of the players said getting over the hump of beating Oak Creek and getting to Capco. And, you you know, you're it's kind of like you're always playing Catholic Memorial Whitefish Bay. Those To get over that hump was a really big deal for your team and program. Yeah, for sure. I, and I think those last two games specifically, I mean, just Catholic Memorial and Whitefish Bay were, were such good teams, and those were such tough games. We hadn't had a lot of four-quarter games most of the year, and, and those two were definitely uh, four-quarter down-to-the-wire games. And I, I think, yeah, getting over the hump of those was uh, – it, it took a lot out of us and – and uh, probably left us a little drained going into into Madison. But, uh, yeah, th- those games will be remembered forever with those kids and our coaches. I know that. I've told the story a couple of times. We did a Thursday night lights game, the Woodland Conference Championship, you and Whitnell. Whitnell came to your place, and it was maybe, I want to guess, 38 nothing at this point. You guys gave up a touchdown. And some of the guys on the defensive end of the ball were, were just not happy. They were screaming and yelling. And it was, you know, near the end of the third quarter, the game was in hand. And when your defensive uh, coaches said, hey, guys, relax, we gave up a touchdown, it's okay. And the player turned and said to the coach, you don't understand. We want, we, we talked about a shutout, we wanted a shutout, we expected a shutout, and we did not accomplish that. So, yes, we're upset. And I thought, ooh, okay. Their their goals are a little bit higher than winning a Woodland Conference championship. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I our leaders last year really did a great job of setting a standard of play, regardless of score and and you know like what you're describing there doesn't surprise me just because that's how those guys approach their work, really from the time I knew them on you know as a team. So I think that's that's the legacy I think that our 2017 team has left behind is is just you know having a certain standard of play. Man, that's awesome. Hey Tom, we're gonna talk. Um, to these guys about youth football and, and, and some of the trends and philosophies. And, and, and Whitefish Bay and New Berlin Eisenhower have two of the best youth programs around. They do, and, and there's a, sort of a purpose with our guests this morning. Uh, you know, you have uh, Coach Kern here, who uh, is the head coach at Eisenhower, but coached in the youth football program at uh, Eisenhower and is sort of now overseeing the entire program from – you know, fifth grade on or third grade on, whatever it is. And then you have Mike Bordelotti, who uh, is head of the youth program in Whitefish Bay presently, but is also a former high school coach. I mean, he coached for years at Whitefish Bay, was a head coach at Grafton, um, you know, coached in the All-Star game, you know. So Bordo has done a lot of things. So it's, it's unique perspectives here from individuals who have done both. Yeah, we are joined now. Uh, we got a hold of Mike, and, and again, he is uh... – He's in charge of the Whitefish Bay Youth Football Program. Mike, how you doing? Hey, guys. How are you? Good. We really appreciate a couple of minutes of your time via cell phone. Everything's going okay? It, it is. Uh, we had some travel, a family vacation, you know, kind of that last push before football starts. And we got uh, we got canceled in Salt Lake and then in Denver, and we slept overnight in Denver. But uh, my wife got us on a 6 a.m. Uh, flight to O'Hare, so I'm sitting in O'Hare right now. Uh, but all's good. Well, how we're, we're good to go? Hey, how dare you not show up in studio, Mike? What the heck? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I know. I, I felt bad. I bailed on uh, coach a few times on my radio interview, so I'm like, I gotta be on this one. So, man, um, we appreciate the effort, Bordo. Believe me, because oh, there's yeah. nothing better than being in the airport with five kids overnight. Man, yeah, that was uh, that was a brutal stretch, but, um, <laughs> but we made it. We're, we're a little closer to home in Chicago here, so uh, we can't wait to get back to Milwaukee. That's awesome. Hey, with uh, youth football just about to kick off, guys, um, 
when when Matt, you were in it, and and you're still now you're you're in charge of the whole Eisenhower program. And I'll start with you, uh, youth football. How first of all, how long have you been involved with with uh, either youth or high school football? Uh, I've been coaching. I coached in the youth program since 2000, and then okay. I've been. Uh, president of the program since 2008. Changes. Uh, there's been some changes in philosophy, changes in participation since 2000. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, it's it's really been an interesting journey with the numbers. I mean, I can give you some perspective. We, we had started a third and fourth grade tackle program about 10 years ago. That first year of that program, probably 50 to 60 kids. Um, in fact, it was the, the first year of that program was our just graduated senior class. Was okay. That, and um, now we've come full circle with that. The third and fourth grade tackle program last year was maybe 20-some kids, and now we've eliminated that and gone to a flag program that we run uh, collaboratively with New Berlin West. It, it seems like um, there's a number of programs and a number of communities that are going to flag football, and there are some that are going all the way to eighth grade, that they're going to have no, no tackle football until then. Um, do you think that that's the future? I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I do think that uh, it's, it's going to creep its way up slowly. I mean, we're starting with this third and fourth grade program. I, I'm certainly keeping an open mind to it going up to fifth grade, up to sixth grade. I'm, I'm not sure where it'll go long term, but I mean, it's been a lot of. I've talked to a lot of the different people in the AAYFL about, you know, hey, let's let's have some vision and some leadership on looking ahead and seeing where this is going, so that we can dictate it ourselves before somebody dictates it to us. You know, Tom, when when uh, and now you're you're back tech, but years ago, the, the youth programs were the lifeblood, and 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 you've coached in both public and private schools. But the lifeblood, and and when he talks about the team that won the state championship last year was his first. That doesn't surprise me. They had all those kids. Football is a numbers game. One of the reasons we do the show is because of that, because numbers are dwindling a little bit, and and you believe it's never football has never been safer, though it's a violent collision right. sport. That's what we do. Um, how do you when you when you look at youth football from from your eyes? How do you feel? Is is it still healthy? I think it is. I mean, when you talk to to um, programs, and you know numbers are down, but. Um, you know, it's healthy in the sense that kids are getting a great experience. I mean, there's, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. And right now, you know, there, there's a lot of negativity towards football in general, which is obviously hurting, you know, the, the game in terms of numbers and participation. But if you take a look at and, and you're open to all the different perspectives that go into this, you can see that there are so many benefits from playing football and playing youth football. Now, something like when should they start? You know, if you listen to most medical experts, they're saying, well, 12 is the absolute, you know, youngest that you would want somebody to play contact football. But then there are there are medical um, people out there that would argue that, you know, every every kid develops in a different way. And, and uh, you know, there are people who are ready at 10 years old to play tackle football, you know, so. You know, it's it. You as a as a parent, you have to do your homework. You have to be comfortable with your decision, and I think if, if there's one thing that's really positive coming out of all of this discussion is that people are more informed, and it's also made I think youth programs and high school programs look at how they operate. And I, you know, when I when I see what's out there now compared to when I started the youth program at Wauwatosa East, our first year was 1995. You know, when I look at how things have changed since 1995, 
I think there's been so many positive gains in football in general that make it a very worthwhile experience. I agree. Hey, Mike, before we get to a break, um, your comment on, on, on some of this stuff, and I don't know um, firsthand what the numbers are like in the Whitefish Bay youth football program, but that's always been a program that, that has had some decent numbers and, and, and good athletes. Um, are you finding that the numbers are still there, or are you guys starting to dwindle a little bit? Well, I think we're, we're a lot like many of the programs in the area, and, and you know Matt's program over at Ike, and congratulations, Matt, again, on your great run last year. Thank you. You know, we, we have a ton of challenges uh, with numbers. You know, we have, we have a soccer team that's a three-time state champion and you know kids are playing Fortnite and in whitefish bay the you know the mothers really control a lot of the decisions quite frankly when it comes to participation and and so we find ourselves really trying to educate the moms um and i have dads call me all the time saying hey can you talk to my mom or my wife i should say about how you guys are teaching tackling and so those concerns are there just like everyone else's and our goal has always been you know if we can get a hundred kids uh you know we're about 950 in our high school so we always feel like if we can get 100 kids you know 110 kids in our youth program each year and deliver at least 25 as eighth graders you know to freshmen um you know that's what jake and i you know kind of talk about we want to try to deliver at least 25 and we've been able to do that the last two years um but this year you know uh registration is is slower and and the numbers are are down and um, it's just the reality. So we're looking at ways, like many of the programs, um, you know, what does flag look like up until maybe sixth grade or seventh grade? Menominee uh, High School, Labuda and those guys have, have always, I think they've always run a flag program up until maybe eighth grade. Right. So Jake and I, Jake and I talked about that last year a little bit. And, you know, what does that, what does that model look like for, for our kids? And, um, you know, but I, I think we're, we're kind of right there. We have a lot of uh, different challenges when it comes to participation because of the success our other programs have. And, um, and again, it, it, for us, it's, it's really about convincing. Um, I really, you know, I coach Little League and, uh, you know, some other teams, and I'm always working the moms over um, because, quite frankly, in our community, they really make the decisions, and, and they're really smart, educated, good moms like they are in most communities. But that's kind of where we start. And um, uh, if we can kind of convince mom and show her, hey, we're tackling this way now, and this is what our equipment looks like, you know, we have to – we feel, you know, like most programs, the best helmets and, um, and, and our techniques. And we're not hitting as much, you know. We, we just don't hit as much during the week. Right. Um, so all those things combined, you know, our goal, again, it's 100 to 110 in the youth program, fifth through eighth. And um, it, it'll, it's, a, it's a battle every year, you know. So, hey, we're um, going to get, Mike, we need to get to a break. Can we hold you over for one more segment? Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, we were talking youth football until 1030, and Rob Younger, then executive director of the Oregon Athletic Coach Association, uh, will join us. He spearheaded uh, some innovative youth football initiatives with you, the Youth Football Summit that was in Oregon, and we'll talk to him about that. 11 o'clock, head football coach Clay uh, Birmingham, head football coach at UW-Stout, will join us. 1130, Jason Aldridge from Turf Tank. They're a uh, sponsor of the WFCA, will join us. And at 1045... Our friend Tony Rush, Raising the Stakes Fundraising Leadership Development, will join us as well. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. A 
welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern alongside, he is the past president of the WFCA, WFCA Hall of Fame member, head football coach at Milwaukee Tech, Tom Swiddle. Also joined by uh, Matt Kern, who is the head football coach in New Berlin Eisenhower, also runs the youth program uh, for New Berlin Eisenhower. And Mike Bortolotti, who is uh, Whitefish Bay Youth Football, he's down uh, in Chicago just getting back from uh, just a tough couple of days on his family vacation. Hey, Coach, um, when when we're talking about trends and philosophies of, of the youth football program, do, do you see, and I'm talking to you, uh, Tom, do you see um, more ways of us to get kids to come out by the way that we practice, by the way we we sell the, to the team aspect? What do you see is lacking when you, when you look at some of the programs at the youth level that could help increase the numbers? Well, I think youth programs have to, again, educate those that they're trying to attract to their program. And I think you do have to talk specifically about how you practice and how much contact you have. I think you have to talk about the, the techniques and fundamentals and how you teach them. To the, to the players. I think you have to talk about how you've educated your coaches to handle the new kinds of ways of, of doing things. And I mean, I, you know, if, if, if you do that, I think you've got a chance to, to keep people interested in football. Hey, Matt, Mike had talked about, you know, at Whitefish Bay, it's, it's uh, their soccer program has been incredible. And I think we'll all agree that there are more options now for kids when you talk to kids that say, hey, look, I'm a baseball guy, and I and now I got a chance to play baseball year-round, or I'm a basketball guy, and I've got open gyms, and I can play in this fall league, and I can play in this spring league, and I can, you know, there's more options for kids. I I believe in multi-sport athletes, as you guys do. You should all shake your head. But some parents and some of these coaches that are doing AAU or doing the travel baseball or even seven-on-seven – are telling kids, look, you have to specialize right. at an early age if you want to get a scholarship. And I think we all agree that that's not the truth. Well, there's no doubt about it. And I think we're fortunate at Eisenhower. We don't deal with a lot of those types of issues with, with a, a kid getting the wrong message from a, a coach in another sport. We have a great relationship with our basketball program. We have a great relationship with our baseball program. We've been able to work collaboratively on workout schedules, on calendars. Um, you know, that's a, you're, you're unusual then. Yeah, and it's and honestly, it's something that's taken some work to cultivate that. And our athletic director, Kevin Fitzgerald, he does a good job of taking a lead role too, and and making sure that that we can work collaboratively like that. But yeah, I mean, you you don't know what message kids are getting. I mean, we have we have all kinds of kids that are are doing those types of activities that you just referred to. So I, I think as best we can, we we build up the value of the culture of our program and, and the all the things you get out of playing football besides just the obvious stuff you see on, on Friday nights. And and uh, I think that's a message that resonates with most kids and most families, but you know, you're certainly going to lose some kids. You know, it's interesting because those kids that, that are in the youth program that show, you know, they're in 6th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, and they show up at youth night that you have on a Friday night where they get to walk on the field and slap players five they, those are the kids go home and sleep in their jersey and dream about being there with the band and the cheerleaders and the parents and the crowd and all yeah. that. And I think that that's a selling point for us. Yeah, uh, and you know what you just mentioned there, uh, on 
on Fridays, I would drive to, to Wauwatosa East and, you know, early morning, I'd be going to school and I'd go by Longfellow Middle School, which is our the middle school that feeds Wauwatosa East. And there were literally dozens and dozens of kids going to school that day wearing their Junior Raider jerseys. And that always made me feel so good that these kids are so proud of, you know, playing football that, you know, Friday, just like we would at Tulsa East, you know, they're wearing their game jerseys the right. day before they play on Saturday. It was it was an amazing sight. I, I will say, too, I mean, the one thing that will never change in prep sports is there's just something unique that football can offer that other sports can't, which is that atmosphere that you get on a fall Friday night and, and also opportunity. I mean, if, if you are a really, really good basketball player in your class and you're the seventh or eighth best player, you're, you're probably not going to play a lot. If, if you're the seventh or eighth best football player in your class, you're going to play a lot. You're probably going to start. And, you know, there's, there's 22 spots, there's 44 more special team spots. And you just, you can't, you can't replicate that Friday night experience and, and the cohesiveness that comes with a team when you can get that many kids involved in playing. Guys, I, I and I've told this story before, but it, it had such an impact on me. We were out at McGuanagh going to Thursday Night Lights game, and we, we rent the, the lifts that our camera people are on, and a guy came up and introduced himself, and he was about 24, 25 years old. And he said, you know, I played here at McGuanagall. I said, man, it's awesome. Is it a good experience? He said, yeah, it was a first-team all-conference, uh, honorable mention all-state. I, yeah, I was a pretty good high school football player. And he said, you know, I, I would give anything up except – my car and my dog to get one week back. Just one week where I play a home game on a Friday night. And I took a lot of plays off during practice. I took a lot of plays off during games. I wouldn't take one play off. I miss it. It hurts in my gut because I just want one more week. And if I could have one more week, again, I'd give up everything except my car and my dog. And if you could get that guy in front of some of these kids, you know, it hurt him in his gut not to be able to to put on that uniform and play in front of his community one more time, and I, and I don't, you don't hear that much on the basketball side or the baseball side, but there's something about that Friday night with the band playing at home that makes these kids, you know, once they get out, go, man, I wish I could have one more. Yeah, and that you know what you're describing is what we're trying to build at. Uh... You know, tech right now. I want our guys to have that experience. Right. So. Hey, hey, Mike. Um, same, same question for you with with the Whitefish Bay Youth Program. Is is there something that maybe other programs that you guys are doing to get kids interested and get kids involved that other that other programs might learn from? Um, can you give us some of the things that you guys do? Yeah, I mean, we, we do a lot of the same things that you guys kind of just talked about. Um, you know, jerseys on Fridays. Um, we, and I think a big thing that we do, and Jake and I always try to find, you know, with you, sometimes you have limited home games, so you're trying to figure out what day we can bring the youth players out there. Um, but that's always that was always a really a neat thing to engage our young kids, you know, especially those those you know fifth and sixth graders, with the uh, with the varsity kids and have the varsity kids high five them. You know, we have we have those little things. And then um, we started a few years ago having our our eighth graders once they're out of our program, they start lifting. At the high school, we, we try to we try to get them a little more involved, um, you know, in the off season, and so you know a number of those type of things, some fundraising type things that we do, um, you know, again a lot of the same things that a lot of programs do. But you guys hit it on the head. I mean, we all been around the game a, a long time, and you know, I, I'd give up my car for sure. Um, I don't have a very good one, but uh, 
um, <laughs> you know, just to, to have one more opportunity, um, you know, and, and we talk to our kids about that. And it resonates. It doesn't resonate with every kid, um, but it, it resonates with a, with a lot of kids. And, um, you know, hopefully we continue to see the, the fruits of our labor at the youth level, you know, kind of pay off at the varsity level. But I will say, um, you know, we, we've, we have one uh, group of, of kids going through our high school program right now where the numbers are just down. They've been down all the way through, and that's affected our ability to have three teams um, at the high school level. So, again, this year for the second year in a row, we'll have, uh, we'll have a varsity, obviously, and then we'll have, I think they call it JV2 or something, where we kind of combine um, a freshman-sophomore group. So we just have to try to avoid those and, and doing things like you guys mentioned. Um, again, we don't do anything really too unique, um, but we're just we're, we're all about kind of trying to promote the program through those little opportunities of being on the field on a game day or or uh, you know, wearing your jersey on a Friday night. You know, uh, Mike and 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 Matt. Um, you know, philosophically, just talking to you guys and what you've done for your programs at the youth level. I mean, you've changed philosophies. Where at one time kids just signed up because they were going to sign up and play football. It's not like that anymore. So you're in a, a mode where you have to sell your program, and as uh, Bordo pointed out, you're selling it perhaps to the moms. You know, that's that's who you have to sell it to. And do you think that that most of the youth programs that that you guys work with, I'm I'm sort of out of that realm right now. I haven't been at a AEYFL meeting in quite a number of years, but do you get the feel that that is what all programs are doing now? Yeah, I'll talk on that a, a, a little bit, uh, Coach. On, on that point, you know, a big thing that we've done, and I think it's kind of helped. We always have a challenge of our Little League All-Stars and our baseballs just wrapping up right around that first week of August, and families are trying to get vacations in, and everyone's trying to do all these things right before football starts. And we'd always, we'd always have to, you know, we were fine with it if kids miss. You know, we're not that type of program that if you miss, you know, you're fitting or any of that type of thing. But we've ex- we've kind of moved back our start date. You know, traditionally, I think it was the first Saturday in August. Yeah. Um, that, that everyone's kind of started. And this year, we're actually starting. Um, I think we're starting the 13th. So we'll hand out equipment on that Monday, and then Tuesday, kind of the old high school model, hand out equipment on Monday, and then Tuesday, we'll start our practices. And that gives our guys four weeks to get our players ready for the first game. You know, high school has two weeks. Now, I know we have the contact days, but that gives our guys four weeks. Our first game's like September 10th. And so trying to drag out that those first two weeks in August with kind of a skeleton crew and coaches that might be, you know, kind of half in and half out because of vacations, we, we've pushed that date back, and that's given a couple of things. One, it's given families more time together after a baseball or, or some other activity, uh, gives them some vacation time, and – and quite frankly, it's given us more time to get more kids out. That's uh, it, yeah. yeah. Sometimes no like, you know, they're like, hey, we're missing. I'm, we're going to miss the first two weeks. You know, I'm not going to play this year. It's like, no, no, don't worry about it. You know, we're starting August 13th. Is that how we did it in high school? We started, I think, you know, the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, right in there, and it's worked. And yeah. um, so that's, that's kind of helped us as well. Hey, Mike, thank you so much. Safe travels on your way home from Chicago, and I really appreciate your time. Uh, Matt, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's good to see you. He's good. Good. Matt's going to be on with oh, us. Good. With trying to get me out of here? No. <laughs> well, maybe a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. Stick around. Uh, we're going to talk to Rob Younger. He, Rob Younger, he is the executive director, Oregon Athletic Coaches Association. We'll do that on the other side of the break. This is the Pick and Save, Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development 
on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Pick and Save uh, Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, alongside my co-host. He is head football coach at Milwaukee Tech, Tom Swiddle. In studio with us, Matt Kern, head football coach at New Berlin Eisenhower. We're now joined by Rob Younger. He's the executive director of Oregon Athletics Coaches Association. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Doing great today. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we really appreciate uh, your willing to come on, willingness to come on the show. Hey, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Youth Football Summit in Oregon and, and what uh, what you guys accomplished and what you're trying to accomplish. Well, yeah, about uh, 18 months ago, we looked at uh, our youth football programs in our state and all. And one of the things that we really thought we wanted to do is is create a continuum where we got our high school coaches more involved with their youth programs in their community. Uh, and so we thought that the best way to approach that was to uh, bring in the commissioners from uh, all the uh, youth organizations in our state. And we had this summit uh, April of last year, and um, we had a great turnout. We had uh, about 100 different commissioners and presidents come from all the different associations in our state. And the whole focus was to just sit down and talk to them about youth football, and how we as high school football coaches in the state of Oregon can get more involved and, and really create a, an environment where uh, uh, it's productive in each community. And so our goals were kind of, you know, we want to sit down and uh, had a, we, we had a panel of coaches that were just sharing best practices uh, for increasing and maintaining participation levels. Uh, we shared ideas on proper progression for, part, uh, for participations in their communities. Uh, from flag football to a modified rookie tackle game to uh, eventually to the full tackle 11-on-11 and what maybe will be appropriate age levels for each. Uh, One of the things that we didn't do, but we've had uh, since then have other states that have kind of worked off of our template, uh, have a mom's panel who can sit down and share mom's perspective on football. And then uh, we also really wanted to spend some time teaching safe blocking, tackling, and practice techniques and really getting the high school coach involved with those uh, things with their youth programs and all. Rob, uh, first of all, th- uh, this is Tom Swiddle, and, and thank you again for coming on the show today. I know you were very busy this morning, but uh, you know, I reached out to you to be on the show because of you know Oregon is sort of looked at as being very innovative when it comes to youth football. And I guess a question that I have is you had the Youth Summit and you brought all those people together. Um, did you have that youth summit because of um, you saw diminishing numbers, negativity towards youth football? I mean, what what brought that about exactly? Well, I think you know uh, if you look at nationwide, whether it be Oregon or Wisconsin or any of our states, uh, we've seen a decrease in participation numbers, and uh, we wanted to address that. And uh, I also thought there was just kind of a dynamic where we were losing that continuity between the in the community. The youth program was kind of a separate entity from the high school programs and the middle school programs and all. And so uh, our whole idea is, like I said, create that continuum um, uh, from 
high school, down to your middle schools, down to your youth. So it's everybody working together within the community uh, to be a productive force. And I think that's just a, the, the whole focus that we wanted to accomplish, uh, open up the communication lines and getting the high school coaches involved with their youth programs. We're talking to Rob Younger. He's the executive director, Oregon Athletic Coaches Association. Hey, Rob, are you guys finding uh, in, in your state like we do here that there are, there just seems to be more opportunities for kids to do other things. You know, it used to be, and I'm an old guy, but it was football during football season and basketball during basketball season, baseball during baseball season, and now sports like baseball and basketball are going year-round. I mean, they got an opportunity to, to travel with their baseball team and, and play spring tournaments in basketball and AAU. Are you finding that the options for kids in Oregon, like here in Wisconsin, are just getting to be so many that some kids are are making the decision to specialize? Uh, no question. You know, I, I'm involved with a lot of national organizations. In fact, that's how Dan Bruner and I started talking about this youth summit was at a national conference. And and um, uh, I, I don't think it's unique to just our two states. It, it's a it's a focus around our nation, and I think it's something that we need to deal with. I think multi-sport athletes are are the way to go up to high school, you know, and so I'd like to, we really emphasize that and the importance of not specialization. And um, we're finding a lot of different researches now saying that sports specialization is not the way to go, especially in the youth in our areas. And so, um, yeah, I, I think there's no question that uh, that's something that we need to deal with and work with. And, and another point that I really want to emphasize is just the public perception of the game of football. Uh, you know, when I was growing up and all, uh, it was the thing to do, just like you said. But as we've kind of uh, gone in with some of the concussion and, and the uh, CTE results at the pro level and those kind of things and all, there's a perception out there that football is not safe anymore. And I, and I argue all the time that right now I don't think there's any question that football has never been safer or more needed in today's culture. And uh, with our advancement in professional development and with our practice limitation uh, policies out there for uh, contact and all. There's no question that football, if done right, is safer than it's ever been. Rob, we've been saying that on this show for four years. It's one of the reasons why we started this show was to uh, you know, get the, the good message out about football. But uh, did you have medical personnel at your youth summit that, that talked? Yes, we did. Um, in fact, uh, we had Dr. Mick Keister come in, who is head of our SMAC committee, our medical aspects committee for our state. He's also uh, the National Federation High School uh, chairperson of their medical aspects committee, and he came in and talked about best practices for managing inherent risk and, and just did an outstanding job. He's a, he's, you know, every one of his sons play football. And I know when Minnesota had their uh, conference uh, this last spring, uh, they brought in a doctor, a neurologist uh, from the University of Minnesota that spoke at their conference. And, um, you know, what I found is that uh, it, it's kind of funny is that uh, if you are a brain traumatic injury doctor, over 90% of them allow their sons and daughters to play the game of football. Why? Because they know that the benefits outweigh the risk. If you're an orthopedic surgeon in, the, in, in our nation, over 80% of them allow their sons and daughters to play football. Again, why? Because they know that the uh, risks are not uh, as inherent as the benefits that you get from playing football. So, you know, the medical people that know the game of football support it. We're talking to Rob Younger, again, Executive Director, Oregon Athletic Coaches Association, in studio with uh, my co-host, he's Tom Swiddle, a head football coach in New Berlin, Eisenhower, Matt Kern. Matt? 
I, you know, I think one thing I'm hearing that hits home for me is that the perception of youth football is, you know, among the parents and among a lot of communities, it's changing faster than what we've been able to react to it to, you know, at this, through this point at least. And I think, you know, the idea of getting the WIAA, the WFCA, the AAYFL, any other major youth organizations throughout the state all on the same page with things. Um, you know, there was a phrase there that was used about best practice. I'm not sure we've really had that discussion yet on what, what all of those different groups think best practice is as far as amount of contact and how to communicate a message out and how to uh, maybe draw a line on where flag football starts versus tackle football. And I, I think, you know, this we, we forget sometimes that it feels like we've been talking about this for a long time, but we really haven't been. This has been something that's just happened in the last few years uh, where these things have started to shift. And I, I think the more that those I, – I think the leadership on this topic needs to come from the top. That's always been my opinion, and I think the more that those groups can all get on the same page, um, it's going to only help those of us at the high school levels and at the youth levels with individual programs to help us communicate our message. Because the biggest struggle I've had is is just the communication piece. I think we all of us associated with the game – know all the great things about it. Um, we, we, we know the changes that have been made to practice schedules and to contact, but I don't know how well we've done in getting that message out. And I think if we can get everybody on the same page, that'll help a lot with that. Hey, we're going to get to a quick break. Hey, Rob, can we keep you over for one more segment? I'd be appreciative. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. He's Rob Younger, Executive Director, again, Oregon Athletic Coaches Association. Matt Kern, Head Football Coach in Berlin. Eisenhower in studio uh, Tom Swiddle, head football coach at Milwaukee Tech, and my co-host. This is Pick and Save, the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show, as always presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development. I'm Mike McGivern in studio, Tom Swiddle, my co-host, Matt Kern, head football coach at New Berlin Eisenhower. We're joined by Rob Younger. He is the executive director for the Oregon Athletic Coaches Association. Tom? Uh, Rob, so you had your youth summit, and what were some of the big points that came out of that? I, I've heard you've looked at even altering some of the rules for youth football? Is there anything in place that that uh, came directly from the youth, uh, youth sports or the youth football summit? Well, the first thing we wanted to do is make sure we didn't mandate anything because when you mandate something, you don't get the buy-in that uh, you're looking for. So we what we did is we just gave them a lot of really good ideas, we felt. And what we're excited about is those good ideas are starting to come to fruition in so many different areas of our state. One of the things that we wanted to really create was kind of an intermediary modified football game that we can play between uh, flag football and then full 11 on 11. It's called Rookie Tackle, um, and uh, we have a, a good share of our state now going to it. And what it is is, uh, you know, I, I'll just use a few different grade levels, but uh, grades one through four would play flag football uh, in that flag football uh, scenario, you know, proper techniques are being taught. Um, kids play multiple positions. Uh, it's just a, it's on a much smaller field. You can almost get four games going on in a regular football field, and they're just having a lot of fun. And then we go to this modified rookie tackle in the grades fifth and sixth. And what that is, is it's a game where it's again a smaller field. 
it's much like a jamboree is in the high school level where the, uh, it's from 40 yards in, so you can have two games going on at once. It's, a, it's not as wide as a full football field. It's uh, 40 by 35 yards. Um, and um, that gives you that gap in the middle where coaches can be out there instructing and all. There are no special teams. Uh, you're playing tackle football. But there's um, no three-point stances. Everybody's in a two-point stance. Smaller uh, uh, team sizes. You can go all the way from six to seven to eight-man teams. Again, they're playing multiple positions throughout the game, and it's just that 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 kind of intermediary to teach the game of football in a really really fun situation. And all uh, smaller rosters. Some of the rule changes that I've kind of mentioned and all. And so uh, what we're finding is that every of our each one of our youth programs have gone to this. Absolutely love it. The parents like it. The players like it. The coaches like it. And uh, we started with uh, two of our major, larger Portland area um, um, youth programs going to it last year. And now this year, it's already expanded into other parts of the state because people are hearing all the good things about it. And then you're going to finally go to 11-on-11 full football, full-size game in the 7th or 8th grade uh, prior to high school and middle school. And it's just uh, been a really positive thing. And, again, by not mandating it and just letting it kind of uh, evolve slowly, we're getting tremendous buy-in into it. You know, i got to believe that one of the, the, the coaches up in the state, Coach Labuda, that we had talked about um, up in Menominee, I, I heard a quote from him that said, look, when, when, we, when kids don't, aren't afraid to play football at an early age, we keep kids involved and invested in the game until they get to a point physically in their life where now they've learned already how all the techniques and now they're starting to tackle in, in seventh or maybe eighth grade or even freshman year and they've already fallen in love with the game. They don't leave early because they're afraid of it. And it sounds like some of the stuff you're doing, Rob, um, you know, that fits right with, with what he was saying. Exactly. And, uh, and I think we, we place way too much uh, emphasis on winning in our culture, especially at a young age. And so we're just teaching our uh, kids and, and our uh, coaches, hey, number one, let's have fun. Kids need to have fun playing the game of football. And then all the benefits that we get, uh, the character development, the, 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 the work ethic, and all those kind of things come from football because kids are having fun and, and we're keeping kids in our programs and all. Rob, I was going to ask you right in the middle of your description of this. What did you call it? Rookie tackle. Um, yeah, yeah, it's rookie tackle modified. Yeah, it's a modified game between. Yeah, I was going to ask. Do you guys even keep score in that situation? And you've probably answered uh, it with uh, what you just said that right. you know you right. probably don't keep score. I mean, people on the sidelines are keeping score. I'm kids sure. Kids do. Yeah, the kids do. <laughs> but but yeah. you know what? And some but, of those kids have it in their heads. I'll guarantee you. But yeah, yeah. we try not do that. Yeah. But, right. but that way you don't have one of the coaches who's coaching in the rookie tackle modified thinking he's playing for the Super Bowl. Exactly. And what we find is, um, you know, kids develop at different rates and different um, uh, times. And so it's so good to have these kids playing multiple positions throughout a game. You know, if you're a quarterback skilled kid in the fourth grade, you might not be that in high school. Vice versa, you might be a little roly-poly offensive guard. You're not just stereotyped that you're going to be a lineman all your life. And he gets to go out there and line up a wide receiver and running back. And, and they're just it's kind of like what, you know when we used to go look for the game yeah. on Saturday morning uh, that, when we were growing up. Everybody's playing every position, and, and they just love it. 
Rob, you know, I, I want to thank you for two things. One, for being on with us this morning, because, again, I know you had a very busy morning and you had to carve out some time to do this. But secondly, it's through your discussions with, of these things that you're doing in Oregon with, with Dan Brunner that, uh, you know, we're getting to a point where we're looking very seriously at having a youth summit, a youth football summit of our own uh, next spring sometime um, you know, kind of want our listeners to know that that's the direction the WFCA is going. It's something that Dan and myself and John Hulk have talked about. So thank you for planting the seed for that. I think that's something that uh, the state of Wisconsin will benefit from. Well, I think it's it's not just Wisconsin, Oregon. Uh, I'm on uh, a couple of different national groups and all. And, uh, one of the things we're finding out is uh, every state I talk to, they want to do it. And it's something that is a concern to them. And so it's, it, it's not the exception. It's more of a rule that what we need to do is take care of our youth first of all and make them excited about playing the game of football. Rob, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And again, like Tom said, thanks for taking time out of your day to- Uh, To join us, he's Rob Younger, Executive Director, Oregon Athletic Coaches Association. Have a good day, Rob. Excellent. Thank you very much. Hey, Matt, it's good to see you again. Are you staying in? You want to stay another segment? I I think you guys probably had enough of me now. It's an hour, man. You stay as long as you want, brother. He's done with his his coffee, so he's got to go. I didn't read all through uh, Swiddle's email, so, yeah, I got uh, ripped on that one during the break, but I'm just kidding. It's good to see you. Good luck this year. Tuesday, get after it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me and hope to see you again uh, sooner in the fall. Yeah, maybe that Woodland Conference Championship, maybe we'll be at New Berlin-Eisenhower again back-to-back. He's Matt Curran, head football coach New Berlin-Eisenhower. We're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, Clayt Birmingham, head football coach at UW-Stout, will join us. First time he's been on the show. I look forward to uh, talking to him a little UW-Stout football. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development. On Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. No games on the schedule? No! That doesn't stop us from talking football. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development. Here are your hosts, past WFCA President Tom Swiddle and WSSP High School Insider, Big Time Mike McGiver. Uh, welcome back. I am Mike McGivern alongside Tom Swiddle, head football coach at Milwaukee Tech. You know, Coach, I always like it when when we have guys on that are coaching at a high level that, you know, played high school football here in the state of Wisconsin because they understand the importance of keeping our kids in the state of Wisconsin, giving them a chance to play at the next level. And our next uh, guest, he is the head football coach at uh, UW-Stout. He a uh, native of Brussels, Wisconsin, graduated of Southern Door High School and uh, was inducted in the Southern Door High School Hall of Fame in 2013, which is awesome. I, he understands the state of Wisconsin and, and uh, what, what we're about. And uh, he is uh, Clay Birmingham, head football coach at UW-Stout. Coach, thanks a lot for a couple of minutes of your time. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? Man, we're doing good. Hey, doing really good. Southern Door back in the day, that was, uh, that was a big football powerhouse back then. Yeah, I kind of started off with the the Flanagan boys coming through and you bet. Flanagan kind of turned everything around and got to you know got to Notre Dame and in our county it was a pretty big deal for uh, a guy going Division One and then literally you know the next within the next ten years we have about ten guys playing Division One or in the NFL it's pretty crazy so pretty good county for football. 
I, I took a, a Dominican team up there one year. I think it was 80, boy, about 83-ish, 84-ish. We went up and opened the, the season up at Southern Door. And what a trip that was. Boy, did our kids get a kick out of that. And uh, we got beat uh, like 24 to 7 or something, but it was a great experience. And, yeah, there's a rich football tradition at Southern Door. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been some good athletes at Southern Door and Sturgeon Bay. I mean, just the whole county itself. Uh, with the Grison boys coming through and the Johnsons. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's been a few NFL guys, so it's kind of neat to see. Yeah, I did. Uh, I do a, a sports segment for a TV show called Around the Corner with John McGivern, and we did it on Southern Door Football. And we, we walked in, and, and, and their trophy case, it's it's really cool, and the, the guys that have gone on to play at high level, and, and we were on the field, and it was uh, it was a really good experience. There's still a lot of love for the football program in that community. Yeah, they, they have a good tradition, and they did a lot of good things with uh, just a new facility, kind of, um, and really to honor, I thought they did a great job to honor the past alums who went through there, they did all record boards in every sport, um, and they kept track from way back. Uh, it's pretty neat just to walk the halls and to see the jerseys hanging on the wall and all the records on the wall, and uh, kind of brings that brings that alumni back and you know make it feel make it feel important when you walk in. Hey, coach, this is uh, I believe your ninth year coming up as as the the head coach at Sal, correct? Yep, Ten, ninth year, and a lot of success last year. And and uh, 2017 was just a great year for for you and your program. How do you feel about the the group coming back and and uh, starting for for this season? Yeah, we feel good. I mean, we lost. We had a big senior class. We had 24 seniors last year, uh, we, so we had a lot of depth. Uh, we had a good younger class, but you know, with a lot of upperclassmen, they don't get to play as much, but they're talented. So, uh, you know, you lose 24 seniors, but yet we feel fairly pretty good. Um, you know, with our younger class and those guys be able to step in those roles. Uh, you just it's just a big question mark over your head, you know, because a lot of those guys didn't see a lot of playing time, but they saw some playing time, but. Uh, when everybody sees you losing 24 seniors, they're saying, "Well, it's a rebuilding year." But uh, we got a lot of confidence in our younger classmen, and that's what we tell our guys: you know, it's, it's your turn now. It's we can't miss a beat. It's just time to step up and take the roles. So, but I'm really proud of our senior class last year. They they uh, did some good things and just kind of turned around a little different uh, chemistry on our team, which we needed. Coach, last year you beat St. Thomas, which is truly one of the Division Three powers in the, in the country. What was that experience like for you and your team? It was fun. You know, we went there. We had a two-year contract with them, so we went there at their place the, fo- the following year, and we got beat fairly good. Um, and I, like, I walked off the field, and I told the guys on the field, I remember I said, yes, we're not – you guys can play with these guys. You can beat these guys because, you know, we had uh, we had so many bad breaks. We, you know, threw a pick six. We had a, a punt return for a touchdown. We had a fumble on the one-yard line, and they had a one-yard score. And so even if you looked at just the statistics, we were evenly matched. It was, you know, yard for yard, and it was just a turnover in the dumb play. So we, we didn't play a smart game. Um, and then the next year we came back, and they were hungry for it, and they realized that they could play with those guys. And I think, you know, we have a little – chip on our shoulder with you know wisconsin and minnesota yeah uh, we have our team is minnesotans and uh you know we just kind of sell it we're you know hey we're the best conference in the nation and, and we don't care who we're playing who do they think who they think they are you know we're gonna we're gonna um, go on there with you know guns blazing. so i was proud of our guys they played hard and and uh did a couple of big plays and that's all it takes you know coach and and you brought it up with with uh half of your your roster being people from minnesota but you're right on that border 
is is and I'm looking at your roster, and there is a handful of of kids from this area: Kenosha Indian Trail, uh, Plymouth, Waukesha West, Nicolay. Um, so there are some McGuanago and Grafton, Brown Deer. There are kids from Southeast Wisconsin that that just make that decision to go play for you at at, uh, at UW Stout. And I'm wondering, is is this side, the Southeast Wisconsin, an important part um, to for you to find some athletes and some kids to come from here to get to UW Stout? Yeah, no question. I think it's all important. Uh, you know, it's it's a obviously our major city that we recruit from is Minneapolis. It's you know we're 50 miles away from that city, so it's it's an easy one-hour shot um, for all of them. So that usually. Uh, you get a radius of about two hours, and the majority of your kids come from that radius. So, we don't we don't uh, get a lot of kids from Milwaukee area, to be honest. Uh, it's the it's the kids that we get that want a major that we have maybe more specifically instead of driving four hours. Uh, you know, they think they're coming up to uh, the North Pole and Santa's right next to us, right? <laughs> north and and uh, so we don't get a lot of guys from down there. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a, a little different culture, right? I mean, you're going from a bigger city to a, such a small little town up here, and but you know, if the guy's an outdoorsman and he's an engineer kid, or um, you know, he wants something in construction or something that hands-on uh, trait school that we are, um, you know, then we get them. So uh, we've had some good ball players from down there, and we'd like to get more, but uh, you know, there's just so many, you know, from from Minneapolis to Green Bay to Milwaukee to Chicago. I mean, there's a lot of kids in that little realm. And like I said, the majority will come within that two-hour radius. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep branching out. And it's crazy with the Internet, too. I mean, we're getting kids from Arizona to Florida, California. Uh, yeah, I saw a kid on your roster from Seabreeze High School in Daytona Beach. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. holy year, cow. We got, we got a kid coming from Arizona. And, it, it's it, yeah, it's just uh, – it's interesting. I mean, some kids like to travel. Some kids, or most kids, are most homebodies. They want to stay pretty close. Right. Right. Three. Coach, uh, a question for you regarding uh, you know the league you're in. You've been at uh, Stout now for um, not just your ninth year as head coach, but you were also the defensive coordinator three years prior to being named a head coach. Um, so you've you've got a lot of experience in the WEAC. It's it's certainly a, a tough league to get to the top and I know that's your goal and and it seems like you're you're making the the right strides to 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 be that or to do that because you know even looking at some of your losses last year you know you you had uh, three close games with Platteville, Whitewater and Lacrosse you you ended up on the short end but you were right in those games Yeah you know we we uh we were up by up Platteville by 10 points and second half we didn't play as well and lost that one by a score and we um you know we were in it was neck to neck with lacrosse in the fourth quarter um fell short of that one and then lost to you know whitewater on two big plays 14 and nothing so um you know it was a, it was a good year you know and it's a tough league i remember playing it back in the early 90s in this league and um it was tough back then and it was a dog fight and nothing's changed it just keeps getting better and uh you just you know it's you know, I talk a lot. You know, it's a common question I get. Hey, how are you guys going to be this year? <laughs> you know, so yeah. I said, well, if if uh, if we make the the one the six plays in each game that we need to, you know, if we make that one catch or we make that pick or uh, we stay healthy, you know, that's a huge role in Division Three because a lot of Division Three doesn't have the depth maybe as a Division One, Division Two because with no scholarships. But so there's a lot of there's a lot of little variables that have to fit in. And it's kind of like the the perfect storm's got to kind of 
to to me for us, uh, you know, to win it. So we're we're getting there. We're getting there. It's fun. It's a fun process. It's a fun challenge. And I, I really enjoy stud. I've been here 12 years now. I never thought I'd be here 12 years. And um, no, but it's a, what I like about it, it's a challenge. I mean, stout doesn't have a big tradition. It's it's a uh, you know you, I could other, like other coaches just say, oh, screw, I'm gonna go to a school that wins and and go get another job and that's and it has everything, has all facilities and the wins and all that stuff. But uh, this is a special place. It's a good people and uh, they treat you good and. Uh, you know, it's a challenge, so I, I love challenges. I want to, I want to try to spoil everybody's party. So it's, it's fun coming from the bottom. So uh, instead of being at the top all the time. Hey, coach, I, I want to get back to that recruiting question I have for you. One of the things that drives me nuts, and I've been doing the show for a long time, is so, some kids that will accept a Division two scholarship to go up to Minnesota, someplace in Minnesota. Yep. And it's a $2,500 scholarship just to be able to have the street cred to say, look, I got a scholarship. Well, yep. they're driving right past UW-Stout to do that. Sure. And if they're willing yep. to drive another three hours or another two hours to to, to uh, just say that, look, I got a Division two scholarship, instead of staying home and playing in yep. the best Division three conference in, in the country, that's got to drive you nuts as well. Yeah. It, it does. We see it all the time. We can we fight that all the time on this side of the state because we get every NSIC school coming through and and they'll lowball them. They know what they're doing. I mean, we we are good friends with a lot of those NSIC coaches and and they know they'll throw the five hundred dollars scholarship and and their sell too is hey you can go back home and tell everybody you're on scholarship. They don't need to know how much you get. You know, and uh, it's just too bad because you know you can I try to sell it where hey. You can go there and be the bottom, or you can stay here, stay at home, and then you know you can play. You know you can play as probably a sophomore, and and uh, you know actually see the field instead of staying on the sideline. Now what we do is we do get a lot of those kids that go over there and then um, you know transfer back to our league, and then they come to our place and they still can't start. You know what I mean? So it's like they're kind of like struck, like wow, this is a pretty good league where I can. I thought I'd be able to transfer back to Division Three and play right away, but you know a lot of it too. Unfortunately, the parents. You know I think it's a lot of parent pressure. Um, a lot of their parents want to want to stick out their chest more than the kids do sometimes, and you know say, "Hey, my, I got a scholarship kid, and look at my kid," and and uh, that's what you know the kid maybe wanted to just go to a Division three school and just play, and but you know he wants to do it to make his parents proud too, and so there, there's a little bit of a, everything there with the whole. Um, but then you you know I always say it's a maturity level thing when we recruit kids. I said, I tell them you know the more mature a kid, you know can can go and tell their buddy, say, "I'm going to Division three." And I'm gonna go. You know, I'm gonna go play here. Where a lot of them are shy to say that, you know, uh, to their kids. But if you're, they're, they're mature. They're, I'm going here for this degree, and I'm gonna play Division Three, and and they're proud of it. Where other kids aren't uh, as strong-willed, and you know, they feel like they have to, you know, tell them that they're Division Two, you know, interest in them. Hey, so. coach, my my son played Division Three basketball at, at uh, Maranatha Baptist Bible College, and he got yep. it. He walked on campus. They gave him the ball. They said you're a point guard. Started for four years. He was, you know, um, he set a school record for assists. He was a two-year captain. He sent out eight resumes a month uh, when he had a month left in the school, and he got eight phone calls. And the interview process for him was set, ready to go, and I asked somebody why, you know, and and I gave him a copy of my son Matthew's resume, and he said, look, I don't know if I'd hire the kid, but I'd bring him in. Anybody that, that plays Division three sports sticks with it for four years, two-year captain. He was, a, I think, a two-year kind of academic, all-American kind of thing. He said, I don't know if I'd hire him, but I would bring him in. 
And so sure. that's a selling point, I think, for, for kids that are Division three college athletes. They're playing because they love the game. And yeah, at exactly. the end of it, if you stick it out and you know what, and you take care of your grades, you're going to have a great opportunity to get a good job. Coach, can we hold you over for one more segment? Yeah, you bet. You Excellent. Bet. He is Clay for uh, Birmingham, the head football coach at UW Stout. We'll get uh, to him on the other side. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Pick and Save, Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show. I am Mike McGivern alongside head coach of Milwaukee Tech. He is Tom Swiddle, our guest, head football coach at UW-Stout. He is Clayt Birmingham. Hey, coach, um, when you when you talk to kids that want to play at the next level and, and you get, they get a chance to play at, at, uh, at Stout, what, what, what are the keys that you tell them? What does it take for some of these high school kids to understand – what it takes to play at your level? Well, um, you find out real quick, actually, in camp, whether they can play at our level, I guess. Uh, you know, the commitment is the biggest thing. Um, you know, whether it seems like right now a lot of kids are just not want to play football because of the, the time commitments. You know, I get that question more than ever on recruiting. Like, how much time, you know, do you guys spend with us? You know, how much time, how much free time do we get? And I'm not sure if it's uh, bleeding over. Um, you know, Wisconsin high school starts pretty early. Um, you know, coming up here next week, right? So, yep. um, you know, the time commitment is is one big thing. Um, you know, whether they can juggle, uh, you know, academics and football, and I think that's the benefit of playing Division Three. It's it's uh, it's kind of like high school in a way, where you know, where you're going to go to school all day, and then you'll know, practice at night, and go home, and you know, and, and study, and blah blah blah. So, um, I, I don't know. I think it, you just got to have a passion. If a kid, if you go talk to a kid, and he's like, "Well, I'm," I, 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 the first question I ask, I said, "You know." do you want to play college football? And if they him and haul a little bit, like, ah, I don't know yet, it's probably not going to work. I mean, to play college, you got to have a passion for it, and it's got to be instilled in you, and it can't be, well, I'll think about it. I might want to play. Uh, if they're him and hauling, it probably doesn't work. Coach, uh, you know, one of the things you certainly will talk to recruits about are your facilities, and I, I saw on the football website that your uh, field is getting a, a facelift with new turf. Talk a little bit about your stadium, what's happening there, and, and other facilities related to football. Yeah, one thing, you know, we got a new chancellor probably about three years ago, um, and he's a little bit more pro, pro athletic, and that's been helping out a lot. And um, I think that's what you need, uh, you know, to be a successful program at any level, is the, the, the higher powers or administration to be on board. Uh, so I take my hat off to Chancellor Meyer um, and Phil Lines, our vice chancellors, and they do a great job. So uh, we're putting a brand new field turf this summer. So hopefully it's done. They told me it's going to be done August 6th. We report August 10th. So uh, I can't imagine that's going to be done on time, right? Major projects. <laughs> Never. So, um, uh, so that's exciting. Um, we're going to get that done. And it's it's you know our, our stadium was built in 2000, so it's it's not a um, it's not too old of a stadium. It's fairly new. Uh, you know, we had this field turf, last field turf for 10 years, and that's kind of longevity. They kind of predict on it, and they were kind of right. So uh, we're replacing that. We put a new, a brand new uh, locker room uh, two years ago, two summers ago. Uh, went through Gearboss, uh, Owatonna Base, and Winger. Um, so uh, that turned out beautiful. So 
and that helps. I mean, you know, you guys know it's a materialistic world, and with all the Facebook and Twitter and everybody seeing stuff, and and uh, you know, you need facilities. You need to keep up with the Joneses, and you need some firepower. And it's becoming an arms race even at our level in Division Three. I never thought I'd see the day, but uh, and now it's transferring probably down to high school. I mean, Kimberly's building the University of Kimberly. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're building great freaking facilities and. Um, it reminds me of, and it's kind of finally hitting up here when I used to coach in uh, Kansas at Emporia State. We'd go recruit Texas, and these Texas kids would come up and they're like, our high school facilities are better than this. I ain't coming here. Well, you know, so we couldn't really recruit Texas that hard because, you know, certain schools, because their facilities were just so good. That this, that's what they expected then at the next level. So it, it is tough, I mean, to recruit with, uh, with and you just got to keep up with the Joneses with the arms race of facilities. He is Clay Birmingham, again, head football coach at UW-Stout. Hey, coach, I do another show called uh, Faith in the Zone, and a while back I had the head football coach, I believe it was from Eastern Michigan, on, and I said, hey, I've coached basketball for 36 years, and I asked him the question, do you think kids have really changed over the years? And he said, his answer to me was was surprising. He said, no, I I don't think so. We've changed. He said, look, I became a football coach. I was 26 years old. I was single, and I was one of the cool guys. Now I'm 44. I'm married. I've got three kids. All I want to do is get out of practice so I can go home and see my kids. And he said, look, those 17, 18, 19-year-old kids that I deal with are doing the same idiotic things I was doing. The only difference is they have social media to put it on on so everybody else can see it. Um, do you agree with yeah. him, Coach? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, they're, they're they're the same kid. I mean, they'll, you'll hear them talk, you know, when you're getting ready for meetings or something before the meeting starts, you hear them talking. It's like brings back memories, and that's what's kind of cool about coaching college. And, you know, you've been there, done that. And being a head coach, it's pretty comical sometimes because – you know, who gets, whenever anybody gets in trouble, you know, our rules, I'm the first one to know. So they come into my office and tell me the story. And, you know, some of the ones are knucklehead stories where, you know, it's like, can you get any more dumb? You know, you only <laughs> get to hold back a smile and, and, uh, and then this show the penalty. But, uh, no, they're, they're the same old kids. I mean, it's minor little things that they're doing. And, um, but no, I agree totally. I mean, the social media part of it um, has changed the world a little bit and just make it more visual for everybody else to see. And, but they're the same kids. Thank you. Coach, do you go on uh, a recruit social media just to see what's going on there? Yeah, we're on there. You know, Division three rules are different than Division one, Division two. So, you know, we can't we can't use Twitter and Facebook. To, we can't use social media to contact a recruit, where the other you know the higher levels can. So we'll just go and you know a lot of times when we see a recruit that we like, the first thing we do is we jump on his Twitter. You know, because uh, Facebook, they think that's for old people now. So they're all Twitter guys. So uh, we jump on their Twitter and kind of research them, what kind of people they are and what are they posting, what kind of offers they got and stuff like that. So we use social media quite a bit. Uh, and being an older, now I'm not old, but older than our staff, you know, we get a lot of younger coaches, you know, it's it's hard to keep up with that stuff. I mean, you got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, it's just all the stuff these kids are on. And it's, uh, I don't know how they do it. So. Hey, 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 Coach, we, we as high school basketball and football coaches, we try to tell our kids, look, if, if you're going to get recruited, they're going to find some of the stuff. You need to be really careful what you're putting out there. And I had a coach on a couple years ago that said, look, we, we all his job, and it was at a pretty big-time Division One football program, all he did was they gave him a list on a Thursday of some of the kids that they were thinking about recruiting, and he spent the yep. weekend finding them on social media. 
And he said, look, he said, I would find guys that they had one Facebook page where they were in church on Sunday, you know, they were at youth group on Wednesday, and then their other Facebook page, they were at some kegger down by the beach. And he said, we would find all of them. And guys like me who, you know, I've been, been around this a long time, I'm telling kids that are 15, 16 years old, look, th- you have to be careful because they're going to find it. And they look at me and roll my eyes. Now I'm talking to a head football coach. You guys find this stuff, right? Oh, yeah. All of our coaches are on that all the time. And we have younger coaches. That's their job is they get on the Twitter and all their social media and, and they'll hunt everything possibly and they can down. So, and we've, we've stopped recruiting kids because of it. And, you know, we see a, a kid on there with smoke rolling on his mouth and, and looks like a substance that we don't like. <laughs> so, you know, we'll just, we'll just stop, stop recruiting them and just say, no, it's not worth it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, and, you know, but we, we talked the same thing with our team, you know, and it's not getting into college. Now it's getting a job. So our college guys, they think it's cool. Cause you know, posting pictures of them, you know, having kickers or some parties at their house. Well, you're putting it out there for the world to see. And we always tell our players that www, you know, means World Wide Web, and, and they'll find it. So don't put it out there. And and, and they also think it's it's maybe not them putting it out there. Yeah, we tell them to watch out for the females because they're the ones that like to snap pictures, right? So whenever <laughs> you see a camera go up, hide that face, you know, duck down, and don't be in those pictures because all they got to do is throw that up there and tag your tag yourself, and and they're on there. So. Um, yeah, so I, I hunt our players all the time too. I mean, they don't know, but I stalk them and and uh, make sure they're doing the right things and and uh, and mostly through girls' websites. You know, they're on campus that they 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 like to snap a little bit more than the guys do. Coach, uh, you're open up with St. John's, another Division three powerhouse, uh, and uh, tell us a little bit uh, how you're getting ready for them. Yeah, you know, it's it's the same way with St. Thomas. I guess it's a it's. A, you know, it was nice beating St. Thomas last year and showing these guys, hey, you can beat anybody in in the Mayak over there. So uh, we're preparing the same. Uh, you know, we uh, we know they're a good football team, and we know it's going to be a great college experience. I've never really, I've never coached a game. You know, at St. John's, I've watched the game, and it's a pretty cool atmosphere. Um, so it'll be it'll be fun. We got, like I said, a lot of Minnesota guys that are excited to go play them because um, their buddies go there or whatnot and they know it's a cool place to play so we go there this year and then they come to our place next year so we got a two-year contract with uh, St. John's, Gus Davis and then uh, California Lutheran so that'll be a fun trip they come here this year but next year we fly out to California so it'll be fun too. Hey if you need me to go with you let me know I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> exactly. all there for you coach. <laughs> exactly hey, thank, I hear you. Yeah thank you so much for your time really appreciate it um Good luck this season, and, and uh, we'll be watching you. He is uh, Coach Birmingham, head football coach at UW-Stout. Have a good weekend, Coach. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks coach. for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Our next guest uh, after the break, Jason Aldrich. He is from a company called Turf Tank, and we'll explain what they do on the other side. This is the Pick and Save, Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern alongside head football coach at Milwaukee Tech. He is Tom Swiddle. Hey, Tom, uh, as we're talking, if people want to write this down, because it's a pretty interesting uh, website, it's turftank.com. 
turftank.com. And we talked about it during the break. This is a really cool thing, and it's, it pays for itself. Saving money, how to mark not only football fields, soccer fields, and I think about any kind of field you want, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, every now and then you see a product out there that um, catches your imagination that, that is just really cool, and, and um, certainly Turf Tank has that with their Intelligent One robot um, that, that marks fields. And, and uh, uh, you know, when I was preparing for this show, I was thinking to myself, you know, with football practice starting this week, how many football coaches right now are calling their school and saying, have you lined the field yet? Almost most because of them. Because they, they don't. You know, it's just one of those little things you never think about. And joining us is Jason Aldridge from of Turf Tank, who um, can tell us all about this product. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm all the way down here in Atlanta, Georgia, so good to, good to be with you guys today. Hey, it's about 72 and uh, nice and breezy up here. What's it like down there? About 105? Uh, no, not yet. No, I mean, we've actually had a little bit of a mild um, string of weather, so it's not. It's actually not too bad right now. That's awesome. Hey, this company, Turf Tank, was founded 2016 by Jason, and uh, they formed a joint venture um, with IMR, which is uh, Intelligent Marketing. And, uh, boy, this, this thing has really taken off, and, and when you listen to Coach Swiddle talk about it, he said, look, this not only saves, you know, uh, schools a boatload of money, but it makes things a lot easier. And he's, as he talked about, there's coaches all over the state calling their, you know, administration at their school saying, I have to have this thing lined, you know, by, by Tuesday. You take all that out, correct? This this machine is incredible. Yeah, it, it really is changing the uh, line marking industry. Um, we've had the privilege to... Um, sell a ton of these robots this year. Um, you know, as a, as a as you mentioned, we started the company in 2016, and uh, last year, 2017, we really started to put the product out in the hands of coaches and uh, field operations guys, and really wanted to try to get their feedback. And the the feedback was just amazing, and they absolutely um, love it. And you know, one of the things it does besides just getting your fields painted, but if you think about it as as how it helps your organization, let's say from a from a football standpoint, is you know, you're now able to easily keep all of your practice fields at a high quality configuration, whether you're playing youth football like um, one of the guys that was on earlier this morning with the different field configurations, all the way up to the um, college and professional levels is you can have high quality fields um, that are precise so that when you're training your players in the summer and doing seven on seven and maybe that new freshman that's coming on the scene and you're talking about alignment and assignment, you've easily got those fields marked even on your practice fields that uh, maybe you didn't have before because like you said, it's a, it's a, it, it can sometimes be a, uh, difficult thing to get all the fields uh, done, especially practice fields in the summer. Um, and so it just kind of raises the level of excellence, which I think every football program wants to do anyway. Um, I think it maybe shows uh, their kids that they're trying to coach that, hey, we're, you know, we really are taking what we're doing serious and uh, we want to we want to give you a great product. So um, the feedback's been wonderful. Uh, coaches love it because they're now able to spend more time with their their own families and their own kids 
Um, you know, we pay coaches or we have tons of coaches that are volunteer, let's say, in a youth football program. That they're volunteering their time to spend all this time with, with uh, kids in their football program, and sometimes they neglect um, that that time that they, they would like to be spending because they're out having to paint a football field. So, you know, to me it's just a, it, it's a win-win um, all the way around for, for what the product does for football, soccer, lacrosse, baseball, softball. I mean, it's crazy what all we can do with the robot. And, uh, Jason, uh, speaking as a coach who spent 20-some years in the outfield at Hart Park of the softball field practicing, um, you know, when you have a field that uh, is only maybe 48 yards wide versus, you know, 52 or 53 yards wide, whatever it is, it does make a difference when you get onto a real field. And, uh, you know, to be able to configure that exactly what you need is, is, is truly something. Um, Jason, you, you spent some time at the at the clinic last year. Uh, you know, tell us how that experience was for you, and and also, you know, how many schools in in our state are currently using your product. So yeah, it was a great it was a great opportunity. You know, the Wisconsin football coaches um, clinic is probably one of the best in the country, and and I knew that from past experience, and wanted to be sure that that I was there for that, and and so we were able to network with a lot of coaches. And, you know, this is our year one, you know, getting the product out. Um, we've actually got a youth organization in Oshkosh that has kind of given us a verbal that they want the product. So uh, probably in Oshkosh is going to be our first uh, customer in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, but we've talked to a lot of guys. Um, you know, it's funny. I've had a couple of retired football coaches that are coaching part-time that they're saying, hey, I could, I could get one of these and earn some extra income and go paint fields and that kind of stuff too. So, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of applications for this product, whether, you know, it's a youth association or a high school or, you know, a contractor just wanting to, uh, you know, find some extra ways to uh, earn extra income maybe uh, while they're coaching football and, and enjoying retirement. He is Jason Aldridge. Uh, Turf Tank, go to turftank.com. Their slogan, mark your mark, no strings attached. Hey Jason, can can you give us some idea on what the cost on 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 some of these are? And and uh, secondly, you're selling them not only to 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 schools but to youth programs. Um, there's a number of 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 not only youth programs and schools but clubs that that would certainly benefit from having your product. Uh, first, can you can you talk a little bit about what what somebody would be looking at cost wise? Yeah, so, you know, we run into different financial situations with uh, various clubs. So we have some youth organizations that maybe only have 400 kids in their program, and then we have some huge commercial, um, you know, uh, facilities as well that have, you know, pretty pretty big budgets. So we offer financing up to five or six years, and we'll work with, you know, the nonprofits to be able to figure out creative ways to make that happen. Um, you know, this is on the same range as a commercial mower and so you're looking in the ballpark of thirty thousand dollars to purchase okay however when you look at the cost savings from it um on average you're going to save about two thousand dollars per year annually per field you maintain um because you're going to experience savings in your paint cost and in your labor cost so almost a hundred percent of the time when i speak to a youth organization or a college or a high school or, or, or a pro team, and I say, what is your paint cost? I can, I can almost guarantee that we're going to cut that existing paint cost in half 
by 50%. So let me give you an example. Let's say for a youth football field, it may um, use um, uh, several cases of aerosol to do it. Uh, we can do a full-size, you know, 100-yard football field um, for youth for about seven and seven gallons of paint, which would equal only about um, 50 bucks max. And Man. so you're probably doubling that cost if you're doing it with aerosol. So if you look at it, at it with the number of fields that you maintain, you're just you're you're, you're going to be saving money over time. And of course, the the labor savings is you know astronomical because you know instead of three or four guys out there having to do it. Um, you're talking about one person that's operating a, a robot. So it pays for itself. The more fields you have, obviously, the quicker. Um, but even for a smaller organization, uh, there's there's enough benefit in it that, that they can make it happen. Hey, if you have some interest, again, the website is turftank.com. One word, turftank.com. Mark your mark. No strings attached is their slogan. I would highly recommend it. I was on that website this morning and uh, – Great information on this product. If you have interest, uh, there's a way to get a hold of, of Jason and the people at Turf Tank on that website. Jason, really appreciate a few minutes of your time. Have a great weekend. Hey, thanks, guys. Y'all have a, a, a great football season. It's coming. Thanks, yeah, th thanks thank Jason. Thank you, Jason Aldridge, Turf Tank. Let's get you a break. Other uh, side of the break, we're going to talk to Tony Rush. Last segment of the last show of the year. Man, nobody better to talk to than Tony. <laughs> Bring it the, on home. You got it. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by our great friends at Raising the Stakes Fundraising and leadership development. Let me say that again. Raising the stakes, fundraising, and leadership development. Tony Resch, owner of Raising the Stakes, has been a great partner and sponsor of this show. We want to have him on to say thank you and check in with him. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Tom, how are you guys? Doing super. Doing great. Hey, can I still give those tickets away real quick? Hey, we've got a four-pack Wisconsin State Fair tickets. If you're the fourth caller to 414-799-1250, 414-799-1250, you want a four-pack of State Fair tickets, uh, Jeff will pick up the phone, take your name and number, and uh, we'll get you those tickets, 414-799-1250. Tony, uh, everything's going well at Raising the Stakes? Yeah, everything's fantastic, Mike. Just had a great morning with uh, my younger son, Tyson's U8 baseball team. We played down at Hellfair Field this morning and had a ton of fun, and uh, we're just on our way back home to the fall. So uh, life's good. Raising the stakes is great, and uh, Team Escape's doing very well as, as well. Yeah, we can't can't uh, forget that. That's a big part of what you guys do. Uh, Team Escape is in Menominee Falls. It's a great way to – for uh, coaches to get uh, teams together, get their players together, do some team bonding. It's a, it's a really cool facility. I've been in the facility. Uh, team Escape 262 if you have interest. Hey, Tony, this time of year, I'm sure that you guys are busy working with youth football programs like crazy. Um, are, are, you, are you finding that some of these youth football programs are, are needing to raise more money than they have in the past? 
Uh, I would say yes and no, Mike. I would say they, they're always looking to update the uh, helmets and the shoulder pads and get new uniforms to look sharp. Uh, but I'm sure that you guys are well aware, and it's probably been talked about at length, the uh, little bit of a downturn in the numbers. So uh, there, there's not quite as many team, uh, kids that participate as, as in previous years. Uh, I think uh, that's been a trend, but uh, there's not a shortage for needing to raise funds to pay for the equipment, the officials, the uh, maintenance on the fields, and, and uh, some of the travel expenses for sure. And that's only part of what you do. Obviously, you work with a ton of uh, high school programs, and you're, you're probably this week going to make your way to quite a few practices. Uh, I'll be working with Tony uh, once the school year starts and at, at Tech. We're going to do a fundraiser with, with Tony, and I'm waiting until they start the school year because I anticipate getting more kids out once the school year starts. But, um, Tony, what, what does your schedule look like this week? You're, you're probably booked up left and right. Uh, yeah, Tom, the next uh, three weeks, really, uh, anywhere from one to three kickoffs every day uh, with, like you said, high school football, youth football. Uh, we've got a number of volleyball teams and uh, boys soccer teams as well, uh, all the fall sports. So there's uh, definitely not a, a dull moment over the next three weeks to get everybody kicked off. And then we have about a week or two where we collect all the cookie dough orders and pizza orders and Pringle orders and uh, get those set for delivery. So the next six to ten weeks are uh, extremely busy, and uh, it's always a fun time of the year to help people out and get out there and see everybody. Of all of the things that you do that you offer with fundraising, what is your most uh, uh, popular product or what is the thing that, that most people really gravitate towards? Uh, well, between uh, the high school football teams generally sell our discount cards and do extremely well. We've got high school teams that make anywhere between uh, ten and $40,000 selling our discount cards. That's profit. And then a lot of our youth football and uh, volleyball and, and soccer sell cookies and cookie dough. And uh, those, are, those are by far and away our two uh, most popular and profitable uh, products, but we also offer, like I mentioned, pizzas, Pringles. We have some snacks uh, and, and uh, a bunch of other things as well. But uh, those two products are, are generally the, the ones that move the needle the most. He is Tony Resch, Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development. You know, Tom, over the years, and we've had this conversation, you've had the opportunity to work with a number of people in Tony's field. Yeah. And once you got to Tony, you've never gone away. And you said, look, he's a guy that I completely trust. He cares more about me making and us making money than he does himself. And that's the difference between what he does and how he does it and other guys in his industry. Well, I, and I've said it, uh, and I have never not met a fundraising goal when I've worked with Tony. Never. I mean, we've always made what we wanted to make. And, you know, we, we've always had something in mind that we were raising money for. Right. But, you know, whatever that amount of money was we've always met it with tony and it is his operation is first class he's friendly um when you watch him when you watch tony do a, a kickoff it's it's a lot of fun the kids get into it he fires them up um it, it's just a tremendous man and a tremendous company to work with boy, I appreciate boy. That. thank you coach hey you know he didn't say how good looking you were so you know we'll stay <laughs> away from that because he, he doesn't tell me that either tony Hey, I got uh, a face for radio. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you and me both were on the same page on on that one. Hey, the and we only have a minute left, but the leadership side 
I, I saw firsthand uh, what that was like when I came out to your event in Germantown. And, and I know that, that the raising the stakes part, you know, it, it certainly supports your family and you, you make the money that, that you need to make there. But the leadership part and leadership development is something that you really enjoy doing and a big part of who you are. Uh, yeah, it, it really, uh, all my guys on my team, it, it's what makes us tick as, you know, former athletes and we coach as well. And, and we always pride ourselves on, again, giving back and doing what we can to make the kids around us better and, and unite the families and make it a great culture, uh, just as people, as human beings. And with the great coaches around the state, uh, that have bought in to, uh, the things that, you know, all the, the, the best coaches in the state, they don't win by chance. It's, it's developing the, the culture and the camaraderie and the trust that they have in each other. And uh, so bringing people together with these leadership meetings, and it's, it's not kumbaya stuff. It's real tangible stuff that people can take back to their programs, make their own, uh, adjust uh, to, to really help develop uh, character and, and culture and team and important to us for sure hey tony thank you so much i appreciate your partnership and sponsorship for this show and i'll see you on the sideline soon that's yeah, always an honor i greatly appreciate it man have a great great uh rest of the year and, and coach uh swiddle uh go get him let's get a conference thank championship first first wow. under the belt there thanks tony i appreciate you gotta that. have your first practice first don't you <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, hey coach thank you man great year for us wfca yeah. We'll thank be, you, Mike, and you're thank welcome. WSSB. Yeah, we'll be watching the Trojans. Good luck this year. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for listening. This is the Pick and Save Wisconsin Football Coaches Association show presented by Raising the Stakes Fundraising and Leadership Development on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 